welcome to Monsters Among Us. I'm your guide, Derek Hayes. Greetings, Earthlings. Welcome back to the program. I trust you've all been well since we've last spoke. Well, as well as anyone can be these days, I suppose. Now, I'd love to tell you I have an excellent show lined up for you this evening. But, frankly, I'm not yet privy to that intel. Because tonight's episode is another in the Grab Bag series. Now, I overworked myself over the holidays. And David Flora and I have been really busy this week, putting time into our soon-to-be-released documentary, Shadows in the Desert. So, long story short, I just fell behind. But as I've said numerous times in past episodes, and I mean with every fiber of my being, I do not want to leave you guys hanging. So tonight, we venture forward, scriptless, unprepared, and unresearched. Just like you, I do not know the contents of the following calls, only the name and location of their submission. So without further delay, I bring to you today tonight, whatever, Matt, from the state of Indiana. Hey Derek, this is Matt from Indiana. I was going to call in about a story that happened, I'd say about seven years ago. I was about 15, 16 years old. Back then, me and my friend, I'm not going to say his name, we uh, were really into ghost adventures and stuff like that, and we started to uh, dabble in ghost hunting. And the thing about my buddy is he's always said he's had a gift, I say. I don't know what you want to call it, where basically he could see things. And I don't know if that made it more of a hotbed for him, if he was just a magnet, but weird stuff would happen at his house all the time once we started dabbling and that kind of thing um we got a few evps stuff like that nothing big saw a few shadow people but then he started texting me in the mornings pictures of uh him getting scratched he'd wake up and this happened for about a week he'd get scratched it's like he was getting attacked i don't know Then one day he told me how he was going upstairs to the living room. His house had a basement. That's where he slept downstairs. And he was going upstairs to go get something to drink. And when he was heading up there, he said a large black shadow kind of formed in front of him and pushed him back down the stairs. Well, spring forward... I'd say a few weeks, and his parents were throwing a uh, Super Bowl party. And I went over, and we were having a good time. And I went down to the basement at one point to uh, grab my phone. I had it charging, and, you know, I was young, and like I said, we watched Ghost Adventures, and I always thought it was a good idea to antagonize whatever we were trying to make contact with and so I stood there and you know I remembered that story about how he was getting attacked and 
before I went back upstairs, I just kind of turned around and, you know, pretty much said, whatever is down there, how about you quit being uh, a coward? I didn't use that word. I used something else. And, you know, mess with me. Leave him alone. He didn't do nothing wrong. And as soon as I turned back around start heading upstairs because nothing happened it was like a force stopped me and the moment it stopped me over my shoulder it wasn't a noise being made upstairs you could hear everything happening upstairs it was like right by my ear was just like a mixture of a growl and scream I guess I don't know it was deep it was foul it was just not happy and as soon as that ended pressure lifted and I was able to kind of move forward again and I I told my ass back upstairs and was like okay noted and just continued from there you know just went through the rest of the night I think I finally told my buddy a few days later but yeah that's my story it's kind of quick I guess one of the many so I'm sure I'll call back with more hopefully this makes it on the 11th season I might have a hometown legend story but it's uh, a little late for that I guess I'll save that one I'm a huge fan of the podcast man and I'm a huge fan of paranormal caught on camera Um, me and my uncle who sadly passed away last year watched it pretty much every time there's a marathon on so thanks to that show i'll always have a fond memory of that but thanks for what you're doing dude it's great i love it keeps me awake on the long drives i'm a trucker haven't seen anything yet though thanks bye thanks matt for calling in and sorry to hear about your uncle sounds like he had pretty good taste in television though now that's certainly a wild series of events that took place there. And your friend certainly isn't the first or only to claim to have some sort of strange gift or ability. And quite frankly, I think that near everybody has that ability to some extent. A hidden talent that only some have managed to tap into. Of course, we don't know for certain. But with stories like Matt's, we find ourselves just a little closer to the truth. So thanks again, Matt, for sharing the entry. Now, folks, if you have a call you would like to share, maybe a hometown legend, as Matt suggested, which, by the way, the latest hometown legends installment is coming up when I premiere season 13. I believe that's in March. I need to check our calendars on that. Either way, If you have a call you'd like to submit a true paranormal story, call the hotline at 1-888-608-NIGHT. That's 1-888-608-6444. And you still have a few weeks to get those clergy calls in, if that happens to be you. Well, this next one takes us to the state of Michigan, where Dana has a story waiting for us. Hi, Derek. This is Dana from Michigan, and I've been listening for about five months now. I've been listening to all your episodes, and I joined Patreon to keep um, the stories going. 
And I finally had the courage to call and share something that happened to me many years ago. This was outside of a small town in Michigan called Belleville. Around the year 1984, 1985, I was 11 or 12 years old. I have a little brother who was about seven or eight. We weren't quite old enough to be left alone all day while our mom was at work. So we still had a babysitter. My mom worked at a large Detroit automaker. They start very early in the morning, around 6 a.m. So I'm assuming my mom dropped us off around 5 a.m. The woman who was watching us at the time was an older woman. She had a small home in the back of, I believe it was her son's property. They built her a small home to keep her safe, and somehow she met my mom, and my mom needed childcare. So we were dropped off um, every morning in the summer about 5 a.m. It was still dark out. The lady would let us go lay in her bed, me and my brother, when we got there. We didn't have to uh, sleep on a couch or anything. She would go sleep on the couch, and my brother and I would crawl into her bed and fall asleep until we got up, you know, 7, 8, 9 a.m. in the morning. So this particular morning, we crawled into her bed. I think my brother was asleep. I was laying on my left-hand side, and I opened my eyes real quick, and she had a dresser, a large dresser with uh, a mirror attached. And as I looked into the mirror, I saw something smiling at me. And I was instantly scared, instantly closed my eyes real tight. And for a second, I don't know why I thought this. Maybe because it was smiling, I thought it was God smiling at me. And then I thought for a minute, wait a minute, I think if we, if, if I saw God, I don't think I'd be afraid. I was terrified of this face that I saw in the mirror. It was dark. You could just tell there was a darkness about it maybe a redness kind of glowing. It was smiling. I realized the best word to describe the smile is sinister. It was staring and smiling sinisterly at me and I was terrified. And to this day, I still don't look at mirrors at, at night. And we have a, um, a dresser with an attached mirror and I never look in that mirror at night. And I, I swear, if I had to take a guess, I, I saw Satan that day. And I don't know why he appeared to me, but he was smiling, and it was terrifying. So I just want to take a moment and thank you, Derek, for creating this platform for us to share our stories. I love the podcast. It really helps me through my day at work. And thank you very much for letting me share my story. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you, Dana. And especially thank you for signing up for Patreon. As Dana mentioned, it does keep the stories coming. Putting on the show is a full-time job for not only myself, but my wife as well. So that's where our majority of our income comes from. So we certainly appreciate any support we can get there. For those that are curious, it's patreon.com forward slash monsters among us podcast. And there's levels starting at one dollar. Now, as far as Dana's story is concerned, I'm right there with her. I don't like mirrors at night either. You know, after six years of doing this show, there's not a lot out there that faces me anymore. That said, when I go to the bathroom at night, I don't turn on the lights. We have night lights for that kind of thing. But I never look at myself in the eye or look at my face in the mirror while I'm washing my hands. Something about it just creeps me out. I don't look right. I don't look normal. Look spooky. Weird stuff. So either way, Dana, 
I certainly get it, and we appreciate you taking the time to share. Now, according to my notes, this next story takes us north to Minnesota, where Abby is waiting with a tale. Hey there, my name is Abby. I am in Duluth, Minnesota, and I think I have possibly witnessed a time flip or a glitch in the matrix. Not really sure what to call it. I haven't heard much of these stories, so I thought I might as well share my experience and see if anybody else has experienced something like this. I am a new listener. I came from the Let's Get Haunted podcast, and I was listening to the water episode on my way home from work and I decided to call in and tell my story. So I think it was around September, August of 2019 and my best friend and I were hiking at Jay Cook State Park and we were on our way back and I was driving through this intersection that I've driven through many times. It was on my way to work and school so I was very, very familiar with this way. So we were driving through some stoplights and we were approaching or we just got past these stoplights and we were approaching a construction site which is a little weird because the day before there wasn't any construction and now the road was tore up there was cones everywhere there was trucks and construction men and like orange vests and stuff and there was cones on the road and so I was going straight following the cones and all of a sudden the cones led off the road and all of a sudden I was going into oncoming traffic so I just assumed possibly that I took a wrong turn or something and I wasn't trying to get my best friend and I in a crash so I quickly swerved to the left avoided the oncoming traffic and kind of just got up I had to gather my surroundings for a second and realize what just happened so I take the left turn I go to the end of the road there's a cul-de-sac I do a u-turn maybe a minute has passed 30 seconds to a minute has passed and so I go back approaching the road that I was just on to take another left to get on the road that I was on to see maybe if I took the a wrong way. And as we approach the stop sign, there is no oncoming traffic, no cones, no construction workers, no trucks, nothing. Everything is back to normal. And I'm so grateful that my best friend was there to witness this with me because in 30 seconds to a minute, there is no way that all of that could get cleaned up, including the road that was torn up. It was back to normal. There's no way that that could have happened. Yeah, I don't know. Very weird. Ever since then, weird things have been happening to me. Just weird circumstances and weird things. But yeah, possibly a time slip, possibly a glitch in the matrix. Yeah, I don't know. Hopefully other people have similar experiences to mine. But all right. Uh, I love the show and hopefully you get some use out of this. All right. Bye. Thank you, Abby. You know, as Matt mentioned earlier, Paranormal Caught on Camera is actually a decent source for these uh, glitch in the matrix, time slip sort of videos. I remember covering probably at least a half a dozen, probably more, in my four seasons with the show. Now, like a lot of the other clips on that program, I'm sure there's a logical explanation to it. But there certainly were some freaky ones. The one that really seems to stick with me was the bird that seemed to be floating above the freeway. That's probably some sort of art installation or something. But it was weird to see. If I can find the clip to it, I'll post it in the show notes. Otherwise, thank you, Abby. And thank you to the girls at Let's Get Haunted. We're spreading the word. 
They have a fine program over there that you should go check out yourself. And if you do, tell them we sent you. Tonight's episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. It's no secret that the last two years have come with many struggles for us all. But with the new year comes a new chance to prioritize your mental health. I've struggled with depression and trauma. And in my experience, speaking to a professional can truly make a difference. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You can connect in a convenient, safe online environment and start communicating in under 48 hours. With BetterHelp, you have the option to schedule weekly video or phone sessions or message your counselor at any time. Rest easy knowing anything you share is confidential. Now, BetterHelp's counselors specialize in depression, stress, anxiety, grief, family conflicts, and more. The service is available worldwide and at a much more affordable price than offline counseling. And of course, financial aid is also available. So start this year off by making a change that will help lead you to a healthier, happier life. As a Monsters Among Us listener, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting our sponsor at betterhelp.com forward slash Monsters Among Us. Join over 1 million people who have already taken charge of their mental health. Again, that's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com, slash Monsters Among Us. As always, supporting our sponsors supports the show. So thanks for listening, and back to the spooky stuff. Now then, this next one comes to us from, I think, a repeat offender. It looks familiar. Frank, from New York. Welcome to the program. Hey, Derek, this is Frank from Long Island, New York. I'm calling about a haunted road that's uh, out here in uh, Suffolk County. So about maybe early to mid-2000s, I bought this book called Weird New York. And uh, I'm pretty sure you're familiar with it. Uh, from the guys who have the uh, Weird New Jersey uh, website, they made a whole bunch of books. Uh, you know, Weird New York and a bunch of other states consists of paranormal activities and all other like weird tourist attractions that are in that in the in that state but there was one thing that caught my attention in this book it was this road out in huntington called sweet hollow road uh, i'm not from long island uh, i'm from the city so i'm not familiar much with it uh, i know long island's known for uh its fair share of weird stuff like mary's grave and a bunch of other stuff like you talk to anybody from long island they know about all this stuff and I have cousins and family out there in Huntington, so I was talking to my cousin uh, who lives out there, and she was like, yeah, everybody out here knows about Sweet Hollow Road. It's uh, it's known for being haunted. Now, in the book, it talks about, like, uh, seeing, like, ghosts on the sidewalk, and uh, there was one story about a woman getting pulled over by a cop, and then when, you know, he asked for a license of registration, he turned around, and uh, it was nothing in the back of his head his back the back of his head was missing um but there was one story that she told me i believe she said it happened to a friend i don't know maybe she could be lying playing joking around but it was pretty freaky uh she said that her friends were driving down that road and i guess they wanted to test out one of the stories so they put baby powder like all over their car and they put i don't know if they put the car in neutral they just let it like ride but when they got out, there was, like, little handprints all over that car. And I was like, you got to be kidding me. I can't be sure. Like, no, nah, supposedly there was a school bus accident a long time ago. 
over there. I, mean, I, I hope not. I mean, it's, uh, it's messed up, but yeah, she told me that. And I was like, are you messing with me right now? She's like, no, this is from what my friend told me. Many years later, maybe a few years ago, I told my friend, like, let's check this road out. And we were driving down it. Now, a lot of Long Island is, like, if you go to the North Shore, it's a lot, a lot of the rich areas are like that. It's dark, woody. It's, it's pretty creepy. And I actually drive through there when I'm listening to your podcast, you know, just to uh, set, set the mood. But, I don't know, there's something about that road. Every time I've driven down it, it's, it's a real uneasy feeling. Maybe it's my mind playing tricks on me because of, you know, I know about the whole history behind it. But I've driven down it a few times, and it's just, I'm, I don't know, I just get this really odd feeling driving down there. Just a few hours ago, before I made this call, me and my fiance were driving around the area, and I saw the road. I was like, I'm like, oh, you know, should I turn down it? You know what? No, I'm not, I'm not in the mood today. I don't need that type of stress. It's, it's the road's very tight. You know, I can see a lot of accidents happening there. It's a upper class, na- upper class neighborhood. So I would, you do go check it out. I'd be mindful about where you're going to stop and stuff. You know, people respect the privacy over there. But yeah, that's it. I hope you can use the story. Love the show, and uh, I'll try to call back with some more. Thanks. Have a good one, Derek. Thanks as always, Frank. We appreciate the entry. Now, coincidentally enough, the authors Frank was talking about also happened to be co-presenters on that same program, Paranormal Caught on Camera. Mark Moran and Mark Scorman, both great guys. Now, the story that Frank spoke of about Sweet Hollow Road. I've never heard of this road, which is intriguing. I wish I had a little more time to dive into it, and it's something I'll probably do in the future. But the descriptions that he gave, I couldn't help but notice the similarities to another legend, thousands of miles away. The San Antonio Ghost Tracks, which is a set of train tracks in the city of San Antonio, Texas, that people would park on and sprinkle baby powder on their bumper. And supposedly... Well, actually... Let's do this. While I was listening to Frank's call, I dug up uh, this video clip that I was going to try to find a segue to. So let's let KSAT ABC News 12 out of San Antonio fill you in on all these details. It's a famous San Antonio urban legend, the ghost tracks at the Shane Road Railroad crossing. The school bus stalled on the tracks and was hit by a train. Now they say the children's ghost will push your car over the track to safety. In reality, it's an illusion. It's gravitational pull, not a ghostly push that gets you over the track. Or at least it did. That stake right there is the center of the track. The crossing is shutting down temporarily on Monday. Union Pacific is adding a siding track that will go through here. A railroad spokesman said the project will change the elevation of the site and the phenomenon that's brought so many people there. Isn't that against the law? <laughs> but why? I, that's horrible. I wouldn't, I don't want that at all. The spokesman said the project wasn't proposed because of the phenomenon, but having it go away is a side benefit for the railroad. It's drawn people to do unsafe stuff at an active train crossing, he said, chasing a decades-old ghost story that won't even survive until Halloween. Then I guess we'll have to try it tonight. And that clip was from 2018, around Halloween time. 
and it just goes to show you that these places won't be there forever. So there's something spooky out there you want to experience or witness. Now's the time to do it. Thanks again, Frank, for sharing your entry. Tonight's episode is also brought to you by Magic Spoon. It's a new year, and one of my goals this year is a common one a lot of us share. To eat healthier. Cereal is a comfort food that makes me feel nostalgic. And Magic Spoon is a cereal that reminds me of some of the best things about being a kid. But thankfully, isn't full of the sugar and junk found in some of our favorite childhood cereals. Magic Spoon has zero grams of sugar, 13 to 14 grams of protein, and only four net grams of carbs in each serving. At only 140 calories per serving, it's keto-friendly, gluten-free, grain-free, soy-free, and low-carb. You can build your own custom bundle that includes flavors like cocoa, fruity, frosted, peanut butter, blueberry, cinnamon, cookies and cream, and maple waffle. I happen to like the fruity variety. Which makes a delicious, guilt-free midnight snack while you're out there binging Monsters Among Us episodes. So head to magicspoon.com forward slash monsters among us to grab a custom bundle of cereal and start your new year off right be sure to use promo code monsters among us at checkout to save five dollars off your order magic spoon is so confident in their product it's backed with a 100 percent happiness guarantee so if you don't like it for any reason they'll refund you your money no questions asked again that's magicspoon.com forward slash monsters among us and use code monsters among us to save five dollars off your order and you know what's next as always supporting our sponsors supports the show so thanks for listening and back to the spooky stuff now this next one comes to us all the way from the pacific northwest please welcome jackie to the program Hi, Derek. This is Jackie from Washington, and I have a story that takes place in uh, my childhood home. So uh, I lived here from age eight until about 18. And then a few years ago, I came back to house it for my stepdad, who still owns the home um, and was in the process of selling it. So when I came back to house it, it was just for the winter. I never thought this house was haunted, really. I still am not sure if it really was, but I had some strange experiences there. I always felt a little bit weird in the house alone, but, you know, I kind of brushed that off at the beginning. There was one night where I was sitting at the kitchen counter, and I had a feeling of dread that came over me, which, you know, if you've been there, you know how that feels, like the hair stands up on the back of your neck. And then shortly thereafter, I heard a strange sort of ticking sound coming from behind me. And it unnerved me. I got up and I looked around from where the sound was coming from. And it turns out that it was a wall clock above the pantry door. And it was ticking backwards. It would tick backwards a couple ticks and then forward and then backwards and then forward again. And then immediately after that, immediately, as soon as I realized that that was happening, I cocked my head and I looked at it. And then the Alexa turned on by itself and started saying, it's home, it's home, it's home. Of course, I ran over there and unplugged that thing right away. 
And, you know, of course, it could be coincidence that both of them started malfunctioning at the same time or doing things at the same time, but they weren't connected. The clock wasn't a smart clock or anything. It was just a wall clock with batteries. So that was the first thing that kind of freaked me out. There was a couple doors upstairs, that, double doors that would open on their own. While I was gone, and I'd come home and, and find them open. I'd actually have to tie them shut. And that never happened to my stepdad while he was alone in the home. It was just while I was there. Um, another thing that happened is that uh, one night I got out of the shower. It was like 11 o'clock at night. I went to my room and suddenly the alarm, the house alarm went off. It did this two times in a row and it kept telling me that there was a breach at the back garage door in the back of the garage, which really scared me because I didn't want to go investigate that. But I did and everything was fine. Nothing was out of place. It was just some kind of weird glitch, malfunction, again, something, I mean, similar to what was happening before. So there was all these weird sort of glitchy malfunction things that kind of freaked me out in the instant, but, you know, I didn't ever see anything or hear anyone. But I did remember uh, while I was there that I had an experience when I was a kid where I thought my mom was calling me as I went to sleep. And she swears that she was not calling me and she couldn't have been sleep talking because she had just laid down to bed and I was probably about 12 or 13 at the time and I remember thinking maybe it's like Samuel in the Bible you know maybe God's calling me because it sounded it sounded exactly like my mom though Um, and that was long before I had ever had any knowledge of this phenomenon that happens to people where they're called by some sort of spirit or malevolent force that takes that mocks or that um, mimics their family. Um, I had no idea about that phenomenon until much later. So I thought about that and I was like, oh, okay, so maybe there, maybe there is something here haunting me. <laughs> so anyways, that's my story. Thank you so much. Love the podcast. Bye. Now, if I just place my logical thinking hat atop my head, here's the first thing I think of. Is this some sort of electromagnetic surge, a power surge, or perhaps some sort of uh, solar ray of some sort. Some sort of natural or man-made wave of energy that affects the electronics in the room. Now, I know there's weaponry that's designed to do this. I know solar flares have the ability to wipe out entire electrical grids. And I'll be quite honest, I'm not smart enough to sit here and tell you exactly how all this stuff works. But sometimes stuff like that can make a lot more sense than someone coming back from the dead. But that certainly doesn't explain the disembodied voices and the closing doors that Jackie described. So I'm with her on this one. It's almost as if something's following her around, rather than haunting the house itself. It's too bad they no longer have possession of the home, I can think of a handful of little experiments to try to gain some headway. Regardless, thank you, Jackie, for calling in. Now next up, we head over to my state of California, where Brent has something terrifying waiting for us. Hi, Derek. This is Brent. I apologize in advance. This is going to be um, a long sequence of events that has happened over my life, but uh, I'll shorten it as much as I can. The men in my family don't live very long. My father, brother, and uncles all died around the age of 60 or younger, and I'm about to turn 60, so I want to 
tell of my life experiences just in case. So here I go. I guess the earliest event that I can remember it was when I was 12. My brother, my older brother and I and my dad went on a camping trip on my great-grandma's land down in the south. I'm from the south. So the first night we were there, just the three of us, we were sitting around a campfire and just looking at the stars. It was a clear night. And we were all looking up when we saw this bright round light going above us in the sky from left to right. It was uh, too high to be a helicopter, but too low to be a plane. And it just slowly went from left to right, not super fast. And I remember asking my dad, I said, what do you think that could be? And he said, I don't know, maybe it's Skylab. And Skylab was launched in 73, so that's how I, I knew I was 12. So we watched it until it disappeared, and then we saw it come back the other way from right to left until it disappeared. Then two of them were there, one from either direction, and they both were going towards each other, and when they got right above us, they both stopped right next to each other like they were communicating with each other, and they probably stayed in that position for like a minute or two, and then they both just went on in opposite directions until they disappeared. So basically, we just shook our heads, and we didn't know what it was. We were kids anyway. Fast forward to 1980, I was working in a restaurant, and I got off about 11, and I went home, and we live on a dead-end street. It was literally a dead-end street because there's a cemetery right by our house on the left. Anyway, I had gotten out of my car, and I was getting ready to go in the house, and I remembered, oh, tomorrow's garbage day, and it was my job to take out the garbage. So keep in mind, it's pitch black. We live out in the country, no street lights, only the light of the moon. So I go get a garbage can, and I walk it to the end of the driveway. But the whole time, I had a feeling that I was being watched, and I had never had that feeling before. And I just couldn't shake that feeling, so I put the garbage can down, and I went back to the back of the house to grab the second can. And as I was walking down the driveway, I looked over my left, and hovering right above the trees, and these were not tall trees, was a craft of some sort. It was probably about the size of, say, a school bus, but it was hexagon in shape, and it was pulsating lights, red, green, yellow, green, yellow, red, and it was just pulsating. But one thing I noticed is it was following me. In other words, as I was walking down the driveway, it was, it was on my left above the trees paralleling me. And when I stopped, it stopped. And when I took three or four more steps toward the curve, it followed me. Well, I finally shook myself out of it, dropped the trash can, ran the house to get my mom. By the time she came out, of course, it was gone. So that shook me up for a while. But what do you do? Um, you just talk about it to your friends and family. Anyway, I was also 18 and getting ready to move across the country. So life goes on. So pretty much nothing to report until 2013, and this is when things really started to rev up. So I'm living alone, and I'm an extremely light sleeper. And I always sleep in the dark because I wake up easily. So I was sleeping one night. And something hit the foot of my bed, and it woke me up. And I went to open my eyes, and I could not open my eyes. And then I felt something crawling by my feet, and then all of a sudden, I was frozen. And the only way I can describe it is everything under the blanket I couldn't move. It was like I was 
you know when you vacuum seal food and you suck out the air and the plastic forms around the food? That's what the blankets did to me. It like held me down. Anyway, I was laying on my back. My right arm was on top of the blanket. I could move my right arm. I could move my head. I just couldn't open my eyes. But I could feel the pressure around my legs that something was on top of me. And I'm thinking all the time, I have a bat to to the right of my bed, and I'm thinking to myself, if this thing moves one more time, I'm grabbing the bat, and I'm just going to start swinging. Uh, I don't care what damage I cause, I am going to start swinging because I was petrified. And nothing happened for, I'm going to say, maybe 10, 15 seconds. Then it moved again towards me. I lifted my right arm to reach for the bat. As soon as I lifted my right arm, this long, thin, very strong hand grabbed my right arm and slammed it down into my chest, and boom, I was out. Next thing I know is it's morning. And I sit up on the bed going, did that really happen? I remembered it vividly. The thing that scared me the most was whatever this was, it could read my mind. It knew I was going for the bat, and it knew when I was going for the bat. So that also shook me up. Then little things would happen, like I would wake up like struggling with someone or something, and one time I went to hit something above me, and I hit something. I could feel it. Another time... I went to hit, because uh, I sleep alone, I swung at something on my left and hit something, swung at something on my right and hit something, and right by my ears, I heard something make a clicking sound, like click, and then to my right, I heard click, and then I heard something like, like little feet running out of the room, and then as soon as they were gone, maybe 30 seconds later, I could open my eyes, and of course, there was nothing there. I have had things where I'm asleep and I hear like air pressure on the roof of my house, like to the point it would wake me up. I've woken up and seen bright lights in other parts of my house. But in early 2018, I had what I call a recovered memory. I always sleep on my right side, every now and then on my back, but I always sleep on my right side. But for some reason, I could not sleep on my right side. I didn't feel safe. I didn't feel comfortable. There was just something wrong. I couldn't sleep, and I couldn't figure it out. And this went on for about two weeks, and then I had, what I, like I said, I call a recovered memory. I was sleeping on my right side. I must have heard something. Now, remember, ever since that experience a few years later with uh, something crawling on me in the bed, I started leaving my hall light on. So I was sleeping on my right side, and I must have heard something, and I sat up, looked over my left shoulder, and I saw four of them. And because I had the hall light on, I saw them clearly. And they were standing in my doorway. And all four of them had their mouths open like they were shocked that I was awake as I was to see them. And what they were were almost, almost your typical gray, except the heads were different. The heads, believe it or not, were hexagon shaped. And we just basically stared at each other for like maybe five, ten seconds. Then the four of them rushed me. And that's it. I don't remember anything else. So that obviously upset me. Still upsets me to this day. And then I've had other experiences where I I basically call it the zombie state. It's like whatever these things are, 
they have the ability to have complete control over your mind, but every now and then, for whatever reason, you can snap out of it. And this has happened to me recently, and probably the most dramatic of them, I guess, would be, I guess I was in this state, and I felt a jolt, and it was almost like I was in an elevator. But when the door opened, I think this is what also jolted me out of the zombie state. It's what I saw. It looked like a huge waiting room, and on the right side of the room were men, and they were all sitting in chairs, and they were facing towards me. On the left side of the room were all women, and they were all sitting in chairs facing the opposite way. But the first man I saw, I think he was in the second row, his head easily was four to five times bigger than it should have been. And it looked like it was stitched together. But he was just sitting there talking to other men. They were talking to him. There was no reaction. It was like they were all just in a waiting room. Anyway, I was being led, even though I, I couldn't look down for whatever reason. I was being led, and we took a left, and we were walking between the women in the chair, and there was these two older women. When I walked by, one of them looked up at me and said, are you from New York? And I just shook my head no, and then she and the other lady started giggling. And then we walked forward, and then that's, it. that's all I remember. There were other things that I snapped out that I was doing, but I want to keep this PG, so I don't want to mention those, but there have been other events that happened where I had snapped out of this state and they were having me do these things. But anyway, you know, I, I hear people say, oh, the, the aliens are here, they're good for mankind, they're here to help us, and maybe there are. Maybe there are some aliens that are good. But whatever is coming into my house, that's doing what they're doing to me, taking me, these are not good. I feel that we are nothing but cattle to them for their experiments or whatever. They, they don't care about us. And then I think of all these people in the, the waiting room. Who are they? And one thing I didn't mention is that they were all older. They all looked like at least 50 and older. And I'm thinking to myself, how long have they been here? And why are they so calm and just sitting here? I mean, are they all in the same type of trance? I mean, but they were talking. They have a mind loop going that they're just at a waiting room somewhere. I mean, I don't know. I think of the missing 411 with David Polite as maybe these are some of the missing people. And for whatever reason, they can't return them. I, I don't know. Basically, that's the bulk of what's happened to me. Like I said, I left some things out. But again, I want to thank you for allowing me to tell of my experiences. And I guess the last thought I'd like to leave you and your listeners is Imagine this was all happening to you in your life. Now you try to go to sleep at night. All right, take care, Derek. Thank you. I'm not sure that anyone could. Thank you, Brent, for calling in. Wow. That's a lot. It's a lot to unpack. It's a lot of details. It's a long timeline as well. Let me start off by saying that given the curse, I guess, for lack of a better word, of your family, I hope you're still with us, Brent. Oddly enough, and short tangent here, uh, my mother's side of the family has a similar curse. 54. My great-grandmother 
I believe her mother, my great aunt and my grandmother, all passed away at 54. Trust me when I say my mom's 54th was a worrisome event. She's doing great, though. Hi, Mom. So anyway, let's circle back to Brent's experience. Many aspects of the story uh, fall in line with sleep paralysis. The inability to move or open the eyes, that sort of thing. But there were some details in there that didn't add up. The movement of one arm and the head. And of course, him sitting upright and seeing the creatures in question. I don't think that's sleep paralysis. And it's certainly worth mentioning that the details that Brent gave about his past experiences, they all seem to jive with other abductees. I'm sure if you're a fan of this stuff, you noticed some of those similarities yourself. And based on the number of sightings that Brent had throughout the years, it certainly seems like they've kept tabs on him in some way. Almost seems like they've kept tabs on the entire family, given that first experience on that camping trip. So this is me connecting dots here, but is it possible that these entities, whatever they are, are interested in Brent and his family because of the curse he mentioned at the beginning of his call? Do they have some sort of gene that shortens their lifespan? Is that somehow important to these creatures? These are wild speculations, but if I'm honest, Brent's story was a wild story. So from there, all I can say is, that's incredible stuff, Brent. And I can't imagine enduring just one of those elements. So thank you for sharing that story with us. Maybe somebody out there has had similar experiences. Something might have clicked for them. If that's you, be sure to reach out. Now, believe it or not, I have another story for you. Not sure how I'm going to top that one, though. Well, Landon from South Carolina. Let's see what you can do. Hey, I am Landon from South Carolina, and the location of the phenomenon was in Houston, Texas. And it's not actually my story. I'm telling it from my grandma's perspective, um, from her cousin's perspective, actually. But anyways, we were just sitting in the living room, right? And I was just asking her, because, you know, I watch her podcast a lot. It's pretty great. And I was like, have you ever experienced anything crazy, you know, like monster or phenomenon, something you couldn't explain? She's like, no, no, I haven't experienced anything like that. But my cousin, um, Mary, who was in Houston, Texas at the time, they were doing a job, her and her husband, uh, where they were, you know, restoring old buildings and planes, and um, there was a crashed plane. And so they were sent in to restore it. And, you know, she said that it was abandoned, the plane was missing parts of it, and uh, so, you know, they were just, you know, clean it out, make it look as nice as possible. And she said they had walked in there, you know, with their supplies and all that, ready to restore this plane. 
I'm not sure of the model or type, but um, they said that they saw scratch marks all around the plane. And, you know, there were, you know, they ignored it. It's an old plane. It could have experienced some damage. So, you know, it's just, it's just part of it, of the job. They see stuff like that all the time. They thought nothing of it. Now, they heard a noise in the back while they were walking, like a screech. And, uh, you know, that obviously piqued their interest a little bit. If you're in an abandoned plane and you hear a screech, you know, that's pretty interesting. She said it sounded like a bird. And so they walked down, you know, further down the plane alley, uh, past the seats and all that. If I can recall properly, it was in the pilot's chair. Okay, and I don't know if anyone has ever reported on your show about a creature like this or, or what. Um, I couldn't tell her what it was because I don't have any experience uh, with cryptids or whatever. She told me that they saw a nest, a nest, and that a bird-like creature that stood about six feet with a human face had turned and looked at them and of course they were out of that plane they were gone as soon as they saw that they were out i'm pretty sure they might have reported it to their company or you know whoever they were storing the plane for um i thought that was very interesting very interesting a you know a human-sized bird with a human face but it had a bird body is what she explained it to me and i thought i would call that into you and my grandma has never been one, you know, she's a Christian, uh, doesn't believe in anything like that. And she has never made up any lies or anything like that. And her cousin is a very trustworthy person. She's just not the type of person that would come up with something like that. So I thought that was very interesting. Thank you for the podcast, but I'm going to get off of here. Thank you for all the work you do. Thank you, Landon. I love when people ask their older relatives if they've ever experienced anything strange. You tend to get all sorts of weird answers. Now my initial thought here is that birds tend to nest in convenient places. Old buildings, bars, overhangs. And I can't imagine an old abandoned airplane is not the perfect place to raise a nest full of little birdies. But what sort of bird fits that description? Six feet tall. Now an ostrich is most likely six foot tall, but does not live in or around Texas. Although I'm sure there are plenty there. But everyone knows what an ostrich looks like. I doubt anyone would be fooled by one. And I also doubt that they'd be nesting in an airplane. So I did a little digging while I was listening to Landon's call and some of the birds in Texas that might fit this description would be the whooping crane, which is a tall, white shorebird with red and black on its head. The rosate spoonbill, which is a pinkish-colored bird with a huge bill shaped like a spoon. And, of course, our old friend, the sandhill crane. I don't believe any of those would nest inside the plane. But there is one creature that lives in Texas that has a human-esque face and certainly will be found in that old plane. The good old barn owl. 
Not these fluffy little killing machines. With a very soft face. Very distinct eyes. And a very round head. But they're not six feet tall. Not even close. In fact, they only weigh about a pound. But they do nest inside structures, hence the name Barnow. And they do get very defensive. But I know you don't tune in to hear about owls. So let me throw out one more culprit that sort of fits this description. And I suppose would be found at the crash site of a plane. Our old friend, the Mothman, was described as six feet tall. And he has big eyes that I suppose could be mistaken for human. And we all know his penchant for catastrophe. So I don't know, folks. You can make up your own mind on that one. But we certainly do appreciate you sharing your grandmother's story, Landon. Thank you for calling in. And that's going to do it for this episode. Monsters Among Us is written and produced by me, Derek Hayes. Additional support is provided by Sarah Carter Hayes and Addie Lloyd. All media used in this production is done so under the protection of fair use. Keep the party rolling by joining our social media campaigns. We have accounts at Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Do me a huge favor and give the show an old rate and review. Apple iTunes is best, but you can also do it over at Spotify. And lastly, the music you heard this evening was Iron Cthulhu Apocalypse and Carl Casey at White Bat Audio. And real quick before I duck out of here, those pennants that I told you about last week, two weeks ago, they're finally in the shop. So head on over to monstersamonguspodcast.com forward slash shop and pick yours up today. Now these amazing Mothman-inspired pennants, baseball-style pennants, were designed from an incredible artist, Maximum Prime Art. Thanks, Max. Now remember, these are a one-time thing. We probably won't reorder these, so if you want one, now's the opportunity to get one. There's two designs, there's two colors, and one of those glows in the dark. So again, that's monstersamonguspodcast.com forward slash shop. Now this final entry takes us back to my old state, the Buckeye State. Steve, welcome to the program. Hi, my name is Steve. I am from Columbus, Ohio, and I don't really have a whole lot of events that have occurred in my life that have been kind of abnormal. However, when I was taking a trip with my family down to Florida, we boarded the plane and got going, and we... uh, hit the altitude where we were just cruising and it appeared when I, I was in the aisle they had take, taken off the you know the seatbelt sign 
so uh, I was able to get up and go use the restroom. So I stood up in the aisle, and I was facing my family. I was also facing the row of, I could see from end to end in my eyesight, from left to right, the entire row of windows that people look out of the window. And what I saw very, very quickly appeared to me that it was some kind of a missile. I don't know how else to describe it. It, it was it was a dark, thin, flattish. It looked to me just, it, it was really quick, and it looked like a dark missile-ish thing, and it had black smoke coming from it. And uh, it was extremely, it, it, it scared me to death because it seemed like, oh my gosh, that was a near miss. And then I thought, what the hell was that? And are, are we being bombed by somebody? And I was half expecting a news story to, to break when I when we landed at the airport down in Florida. So it was it was very, very odd. I'm not sure that anyone else saw it. No one else gasped. And it was, like I said, it was a, a split second across. But the pilots certainly had to have seen it. And in retrospect, it'd be really great to know if you have any advice on how to go back and kind of maybe research flight logs or something like that. I could probably get to the year and the month, but I don't know if I could get to the actual date. But it would have been a flight uh, from Columbus down to, down to Florida. Anyway, that's all I've got. I have no idea what it is. So by definition, it wasn't an unidentified flying object. And it came a hell of a lot closer than any kind of, any kind of uh, air traffic would have been allowed to fly if it was uh, known air traffic. Anyway... Thanks so much for the show, and I absolutely love it. Bye-bye. Thanks, Steve, and go box. Was if flying wasn't terrifying enough. But I'm wondering if Steve simply saw a passing plane here. I've spent a lot of time in the air, flying back and forth from L.A. to Ohio, and I've seen many passing planes fly beneath us usually happens quite quickly. But what he described didn't sound like a plane. And I don't know why it would have black smoke emanating from it. So I suppose this is another one of those weird calls I simply have no information on. But I can give you a bit of a tip here, Steve. If you want to try to find any information, I would start with the flight number and the date that you traveled. Now, if you happen to know the airline you flew, you may be able to log into their website and access your past flight information. Now, once you have that, it's just a Google search to see if anybody reported it. In the meantime, I'll certainly keep my ears open here on our end. So thanks again for sharing the call. And thank you for sticking around to the end of the show. Have a good night.